FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC podcast. It's a look at football culture through a black and gold lens. Also, it's uh, two scholars and asshole back again. This is Josh. I'm here with my boy Slim and Dweez. And today we have a very special guest. We have the president of the 3252 Independent Supporters Council, Mr. Joseph Zachers, on the pod today. Hey, guys. I also want to give a shout out to Jerry over at Heart of LAFC. You might recognize Joseph's voice if you've never seen the man in person just because those guys really paved the way in Podland for good LAFC content. So shout out to that pod and shout out to Joe for taking some time to always, be here, man. Guys, always. This is our first cross pod, LAFC cross pod episode between hey. anyone. So we're, we, uh, we're encouraging that. It's a cross pod loving atmosphere here and uh, much love to Heart of LAFC today. Yeah. Heck yeah. So, yeah, let's just get right into it, not try to waste too, too much time. Um, I think the big question a lot of people have, because it's just four digits, it's just a number for a lot of people who are coming for the first time to the bank or who hear about the club, what is the 3252? It's Sam's pin number. <laughs> kidding, kidding. No. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, we had baked in like a lot of like it didn't prep, take long. prep time. It didn't take and, you like, solved it. And just, it. Like, caught me off guard. It's amazing. No, Incredible. God damn it. <laughs> Man, I just had it. I have the routing um, info, too, so, so it's good. <laughs> the 3252 basically represents the maximum capacity of the supporters' end, so the north end. So name came about in a meeting. It was kind of random. We were talking about basically how the stadium was going to be filled out on the north end, how many seats we were going to have available, and the number 3252 came up. And at the time, it was six months of battling back and forth over a name to the point of screaming fits. Mm-hmm. Um, the name came up in the meeting. Everybody kind of looked at each other, basically went, just make that the name. And that's exactly what happened. Um, actually, the, the guy to credit that was first to say, hey, the 3252 was actually uh, Long Beach Chrome. I know, right? Shout out to Chrome. (laughs) Michael. Uh, Michael Fredone. Yeah, so he was the first to say it. Um, And then we all looked at each other and started talking and went, man, we finally found it. We're done with this. Mm -hmm. We we found something that really represents all of us without being pretentious, without actually going off on a tangent and locking us in. It's just us. It's the members. It's every one of us. And the reason it's so important is... The 3252 is not the 3252 without everyone on board. That's mm-hmm. true. That's key. If it, not everybody's dialed in, if not everybody's putting in the passion, mm-hmm. that's it. It's dead. It's no longer the 3252. So that that's really where it stuck. Yeah. It was great because pretty much the number, I think, was something that Tom Penn came up with in a, in a capacity situation for the stadium. It wasn't marketing. It was just, yeah. oh, yeah, that's the max. Cool. And it's cool. Also, to me, I always thought it's a number, right? It's not something in Spanish or English or, you know, there's so many things that could have tripped up a, a name to call this, right? And right. having this having this number just sort of, like, skip all of that and just have yeah. something to, to stand behind. I always thought that that was cool. It's universal and yet exclusive to L.A. and what we got here. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's incredible. And so, like, what what 
from my understanding, independent supporters union is what the 3252 is, right? Yes, we're an independent supporters union. Uh-huh. Can right. you explain a little bit about what that is and how common those are in MLS or in the world? It's more common than you think. Basically, a supporters union, ours is unique, but I will say that, that there's a few groups within the league that we looked at, that I looked at, mm-hmm. um, and said, you know, they've got something right, but we can do something a little bit better. Um, we look, I looked a lot at the North Ward over in in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at Section 8, a lot into Section 8, looked into their bylaws as well and how they do their business. And that's in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. They're called right. Section 8? Section 8. Section 8, right. um, And basically saw the way they were doing it and saw where they ran into to roadblocks in terms of, like, funding and that sort of thing and went, okay, well, we need to find that happy medium where we can get the best of all of it. And, of course, uh, Timber's Army, um, a little bit from them as well. Mm-hmm. And so we, we took what we saw that was best and made it our own. and made it a bit of a hybrid, and that's where we came up with the Supporters Union. Now, the Supporters Union is basically a family of supporter groups. Right now we have about 10 that are in the council, about another 10 more looking into the council mm-hmm. and want to be in the council. That'll, that'll probably eventually be as long as, as they keep battling to grow stay serious with it, stay, stay committed to the cause. It's just a process of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's like, well, why don't you just jump them in right away, get them in the game? Ultimately, you can't do that. you got to make sure that, one, vetting is involved. Two, you need to make sure that they're going to be around in a year. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to do is groups in a council and they disappear in a year. Right. So slowly, steady, we grow and we get stronger. And as each group makes it, it's guaranteed that that group will basically be here for for the ages. That's the idea. And so we're actually recording this episode right now, live from Exposition Park, as everyone should be aware, in the backyard. You might hear the dogs barking, hear the choppers, hear the cars, it's a Friday night. The three gentlemen with me here are actually all gonna go over to a council meeting later. Um, Maybe Josh, Sam, do you guys wanna chime in about like how the council works? A little bit, just, just, you know, what what does a council do in, in terms of an independent supporter union? They do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I mean, everything. What kinds of things. Um, we do stuff. <laughs> we do stuff. We, we promise. We promise, guys. It's not just hanging uh, out. Figuring out the atmosphere on match days, um, TFOs, um, community outreach events, um, raising money for the community. What else Merchandising the 3252's um, kind of new t-shirts and jackets and yeah. making sure away day travel is taken care of. And so everything that you see on match day is something that we discuss at council meetings. We have representatives from each of the supported groups that are official members right now. And uh, I think what Joseph was saying about making sure that these supported groups are going to be around next year, we, we definitely, as the TSG, TSM and I, uh, part of the Tiger supporters group, definitely had to go through that process and... You know, learn a lot. These guys were super accommodating to make sure that they're hearing us, hearing us out. But it did take um, a year of this kind of probationary period for us, for us to kind of learn the ropes and then really, really to, to kind of get it going. But, um, yeah, it's it's really, I'd say, everything from the tailgate to the TFOs, like what Sam was saying, anything you see LAFC-related that it's uh, the fans do is something that the council has their finger on and is definitely trying yeah. to mount the pulse off. Yeah, and it's ultimately for the protection of the cause um, to make sure that if we are committed to something that we're committed to it fully. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be scatterbrained off to a bunch of little things and never get anything done. So uh, thankfully, with the groups we've had, very strong, um, continue to be strong, and here comes the next year. Yeah. 
So, I mean, one big misunderstanding, and I've, I've got friends who have season tickets elsewhere in the stadium, and they're just convinced they're just like, those fans, they have to get paid, right? The people in the 3252 have uh, to get paid. And those people who, don't, who somehow don't think that, they're like, yeah, but the leaders have to get paid, right? The people in the council. Can you guys talk about, like, the misunderstanding of that and also, like, how it, it differs as, like, a nonprofit from some of these other for-profit fan groups and other sports? Oh, boy, Joseph has a twinkle in his <laughs> eye right now. <laughs> not going to lie. Let's just say I've foregone my retirement for at least a year. Uh, nothing saved. You just do it. You go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's very expensive as a director. Mm-hmm. It costs you money to be pre- to be president. Mm-hmm. I get paid nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very careful in the creating of, in creating the bylaws that it was in the bylaws. If you do profit off it, you're out. Like that's never yes, going to be allowed. This is supporter culture. This is not a business. Yes, we run as a nonprofit. Yes, we act as a business as a unit. But there are no employees. Mm-hmm. We don't play that game. Um, the employees work for LAFC. Right. They don't work for the 3252. Yeah, and when somebody like comes up to you guys, I mean, you guys are like, oh yeah, those guys, they have to get paid. Like, what? Where do you right. think that that's coming from? Some people find it completely bizarre that someone would work for free for a cause. Right. That it throws them off. Like, well, what's your angle? Mm-hmm. What are you getting out of it? Because supporter culture is unique. Um, you don't find it really in American sports, except new, which coming into soccer now. Right. It's you know. Do you think it's just something like American people have a hard time? It was a very profit-driven culture, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is capitalism at the finest. We've kind of perfected it. So to have somebody do something for the goodness of their heart is is a little odd to people, unless it's for, like, a charity, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, they don't want to do that. But if it involves beer showers and screaming out the top of your lungs, for some reason, it couldn't be done for free. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's L.A. How, How many people in L.A., you know, bougie SLA are cool with going out and getting beer poured all over them and, ha- like, being required to stand for three hours and being required to sit and scream and raise your hands. and right. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. Before we started TSG, when I would see, um, you know, like, Instagram stories from, from Ben, who started working with the club, I was like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> like, wait, wait, what do you mean they're, they're there for a team that doesn't exist? So that, that's what sparked my interest. I was like, all right, what do you mean they have, like, they're drumming and singing for something that hasn't happened? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that's that's what drew me in. Right. As um, as they kind of list off like, what we do as supporters, and Joseph, I think you did really well, just I realized, like, oh, it's crazy until you do it. Like, until you're in it, it is actually crazy for, like, especially an American outside, sports fan. Yeah. yeah, from the outside to be like, to be like, oh, what do you mean these guys aren't getting paid, you know? And so there is something like, but at the same time, once you get to do it and get to get in the habit of it, you're like, there's a power here of doing something together for free, but all together, shoulder to shoulder, as we say, that is unmatched, unrivaled like anything else. Because we realize like, we are sacrificing to be here and this is our pride and joy. And there's something really unique about that, that relationship that it's, you can't really find anywhere else. And it almost just doesn't compute to like, to, to other, to even like say like, the Lakers might have a, I don't know, but I would imagine maybe have like a, a booster, traveling right. fan, a booster right. club. Yeah. And they travel, maybe they offer hotel packages and you can buy, you know, it can be a certain type of Lakers fan, but like a super fan, but this is something completely different. Yeah, because the, as a super fan, you're pretty much just absorbing it, mm. right? You're bringing it in. As a supporter, you're giving it out. You're creating the culture that your club is. Mm. So we're playing the drums, not just to play the drums and make noise for a team that doesn't exist. No, us by playing the drums, we're creating the team. We're creating the team for the players to join. So everything is in place before they get there. 
And that, that is what we did. And that's what every supporter group does is, is basically you fight, you make as much noise as possible, you support whatever happens. You have to support. Why? Because there's an expectation you have from your club. And if you let the passion go, who's going to listen to you? Right. right. You lose the edge. But from the outside looking in and even having like a really firm understanding of supporter culture and how it operates around the world and having been lucky enough to travel a lot, like one thing that I think I've always found really fascinating about the 3252 is how some of the groups really don't agree with each other, right? They have different ideas. Maybe they, they, come, they come forth with their style of support and somebody mm-hmm. else has their style of support and everyone's kind of competing for what, what is it all going to look like in the North End, right? But this, this, <coughs> this union that you made and these bylaws... <coughs> I mean, can you talk a little about how you how you were able to set it up in such a way that hopefully this ensures that this style of support and this this unity will continue to exist? Nothing is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I'll say that from the beginning. Nothing is guaranteed. It's a lot of work to do what we do just to keep people together um, because everyone has their passions. Everyone has their style. And the minute one feels that their their, their style or passion is pushed to the side, that's when you get conflict. So you have to find a way to give everybody their, their chance, their moment. And when it works, it stays, no matter what it is. Could be any language, any style. If it's something that works that builds to the north end, it belongs there. Mm-hmm. If it's something that detracts from it, takes away, takes us away from supporting our club, so we have to go do something else to clean that up, then we're not gonna be for it. Mm-hmm. So if, if, as long as it's positive support, we're on board. And as long as everybody understands that, then we, then we move forward. And in what way do you think, like, America and American soccer, although, you know, there has been supporter groups that have existed for a while, it has an opportunity where, like, elsewhere in the world, some of these, some of the supports existed for, like, decades and decades, maybe hundreds of years, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and they have sort of, like, this, at least in some people's eyes, like, a hooligan style, like, the negative style of support. What, in what ways, like, does America have, like, a chance to create its own ideas of what supporter culture needs to be. Like you said, positive support, for example. For us, it's ultimately a blank slate. We get, we get the benefit of seeing what has worked, what hasn't worked all over the world, mm-hmm. and seeing how things develop. We're not going to be shattering a bus going to a final. Yeah. You know, We're not going to run into that mess, because why? We saw it. Mm-hmm. We already saw that mistake. Why are we going to repeat it? So we have this huge benefit to take what works best and use it. So ultimately, yes, it is hard. And there's a stigma you also have to fight in American culture as a supporter of soccer that they instantly go hooligan. They run right in it. Oh, it's the hooligans. It's hooligans or it's tryhards, right? Like right, or tryhards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And honestly, our culture here does have a little bit of that mindset mm-hmm. in college sports. A little bit. It's still a little sure. sanitized right. more than we were used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there. The spirit is there. You go to any game and you'll see it. It just doesn't take it that much further. There's a stop because it's listening to what the board tells them to do rather than them driving it themselves. But the ways that you guys work, at least with LAFC and thus far, it's been a pretty symbiotic relationship, right? I mean, you guys can all three chime in about that. But from the outside looking in, it seemed like, for the most part, the front office has done a decent job of, of giving you guys leeway to execute on ideas that you have. I would say that we've just fought for it. But if we played it lazy and played it easy, they'd walk all over us. Mm-hmm. They're a business. They're still a business. Right. It's us standing up for ourselves and us keeping the union tight so everyone's on the same page. Because if a couple go to go, oh, you know, on the side, I'm going to work with them anyway, it's all over. Mm-hmm. We're done. But if, if we all hold to the union and hold firm to that and, and share our opinions to the club and say, yeah, that's what the president said because that's what we voted on, 
there's not much they can stand on. We'll stand up to it. Because right. also we also have the bully pulpit, right? We have podcasts like this. We have the stand itself. So if something we don't like comes out and they don't react to it, it's coming out. Mm-hmm. There's, it's not going to stay hidden. So right. everyone knows that, that everything's open board. Right. Even the bad stuff we do. Trust me, we know. It's out there. I hear it constantly. Um, so we're well aware. They're well aware. And the idea is that the relationship has an equal look to it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where we're at. And for people who can't conceive, say they've only ever, they're getting into MLS now, they've only ever gone to LAFC games, and they see this really awesome thing in the one side of the stadium, and it's sort of part of their experience, part of the reason they come back, part of the reason that they tell people about it. Can you, any of you guys, sort of explain to them what it's like when there isn't an independent supporters union and their supporters sort of spread out around the stadium and what that does to the atmosphere? So like, sort of the downside if you guys, like, say, split up, you know? Are you, are you making well, I a have commercial for Carson? <laughs> no, I have per- yeah, I have personal experience with that one, right? right. Um, back in the Chivas USA days where there was three groups at one point in three different sections, one massive on the north side, but they didn't keep it consistent. Because, uh, honestly, I think their their passions were different from why they were there. Uh, then you had the Ultras on theirs in Section 101, and then our, our Black Army was in Section 108. Ultimately, it's chaos. It's good within your section. It sounds great within your section. Anybody within 50 feet of you thinks this is the most amazing experience ever. Right. But the minute they get in between two groups, they're like, what in the hell is going on? Right. Because it's chaos. Thank you. And for the players, they're, they're, they're torn in it because everyone wants their time. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this, well, where did the player go this week kind of situation. And it becomes very tit-for-tat, very tribal, and ultimately it kills the culture. Yeah. It's not united. Now, I have seen some where it works well where they're on both sides of the goal because they're far enough apart. Right. But at the same time, ultimately, if everyone's together, this one amplified voice, you can't beat it. You, it there's no way to beat it. Right. When we talk about sound and, like, voice and stuff, like, we always bring up um, the Salt Lake game, the, when um, the last game of the season last year, and... While it was a really shit result, I think we talk about from after we went down one, when the 3252 became the 22,000 of people really just going for it. And that can only happen when one section can lead as a unified voice and people kind of get the kind of rhythm of it. And so we've heard it in person now at, at, at Carson and we've seen, it, we've seen it where the splintering of the three sections really destroys the vibe of the entire stadium, right? When there's just noise and chaos yeah. rather than an actual unified um, voice. And we're, just to be clear for people, we're saying also that the Galaxy does not have all their supporters in one place. Real Salt Lake, for example, doesn't have all their supporters in one place. There's right. several stadiums I've, I've visited um, who kind of have it spread out. Uh, and it, it does also affect the atmosphere, you know? I, I can say it's just you walk around and it's just, it's weird. It, it feels like the stadium itself is divided. It feels like the support behind the team, not just the big S support, but just how general, average people, you mm-hmm. know, it, it fractures the experience for them, too. It does, and a lot of it is ego, of course. Again, it takes a lot of patience to get all of these groups together on the same page, and there's a lot of disagreements, but it, it, it's, the, it's the buy-in to know that the payoff is so much greater than just doing your own thing and having it your own way. Right. That that having the relationship and having the ability to compromise is a strength. Right. It's hard for people to see that. I mean, in a city like LA, like come on, the history of division in this city and the history oh, of yeah. people not getting along with each other. Do you guys want to talk about how like how special that feels? At least for me, when I'm looking at it, it's like you know this is this is the area where there's the you know the uprising. 
you know, right down the street. Like you're talking about divisions are just there on the on, in the history not that long ago, and now you've got people all together. What does that part of it feel like for you guys in terms of, you know, as like a citizen of LA? Um, I mean, for me, it makes me feel proud. You know, just any time you walk through the North End, you've been there through the whole season. You could walk down any aisle, see familiar faces. Um, you know, from you know Salvadorians who lived in K-Town forever who probably didn't have many relationships with Koreans. Mm-hmm. Right. And now we're, you know, we're hanging out in the North End together. Um, little things that happened last season, like the, the Son Heung-min surprise, um, you know, the, the, the embrace from uh, Mexican supporters to Koreans and things like that. Um, this podcast is about the culture. It's, it's about the people. It's about the things that, that football brings outside of football. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what the 3252 embodies. It's building the city. It's bringing it together. That's the idea of the 3252. Because ultimately, in this madness that we have here, of all these different cultures, everybody speeding in different ways at the same time, it is a giant, breathing, living organism. Mm-hmm. And it makes L.A. L.A. Mm-hmm. And you get that chance to experience all these cultures. But do you know everybody by first name? 3252, you're going to know a lot of people by first name. Or Instagram handles. <laughs> more, th- more of that than anything else. That's <laughs> LAFC underscore something. It's yeah, there's always here. an underscore somewhere. So um, it just gives us this rare opportunity to, to, to do something special knowing that we have a common goal. But Joe, like, as I know, and I think some, some of the people who know you, like, you've, you've supported so many teams in LA, like growing oh, yeah. up, different indoor teams, like mm-hmm. all, all sorts of teams, you know, you and your dad, and we're definitely going to ask you back on the pod to talk about that when we all have more time, but have you ever seen anything quite like in, in, in supporter culture in, in Los Angeles or in California, have you ever seen anything quite like what, what's been built and what you've, you guys have built with the 3252? This is a rarefied air. You wake up every day wondering if the rug's going to get pulled. I've mentioned that before. Yeah. You, you just go, okay, pinch me, right? Mm-hmm. When am I going to wake up from this dream? Because it's not, this doesn't look like reality, right? This can't be your typical situation, but it is. Right. And so you just have to fight to keep it. But no, I've seen it. I've seen some really crazy stuff here with soccer and how, you know, a team would go towards one ethnic group and go, that's the way, that's the ticket, that's mm-hmm. how you're going to do it. And you're like, well, what about everybody else? Mm-hmm. And they all fall into that same thing. Or, oh, let's go go star-driven. Let's just buy a star player, and everyone's just going to show up. And it's like, yeah, well, they age, they move on. Mm-hmm. They're mercenaries at the end of the day. They're not the city. They're mercenaries. Yeah. You might be able to build a statue out front, but... Best-case scenario. But who cares about it? Yeah. It's a good parking stop for a pigeon or a seagull, but that's about <laughs> it. I mean, one out of every, like, thousand players becomes, like, a Magic Johnson who actually embodies the city right you know what i mean mm. so yeah no, but it's like joe said you know you build you build it and then you invite the players here mm. rather yeah. than you know the other way around i think that's a really helpful way for people who can't quite grasp what this is to think about it but joe i mean we're here maybe two more days three more days of yep. you being in the presidency right mm-hmm. so you're stepping down um gonna gonna open the door and let's let somebody else be the president but you were the first president of 3252 you helped set all this up i mean how does it feel by the way when did that do we know what the time length is on that is this a two-year three-year it's a presidency it's a two-year term two year um when i went in there was no term set Mm -hmm. um it was okay i when i made the bylaws i specifically set february 10th 2019 as a date of of elections Hmm. Didn't matter when it started and when we ratified it, that was the date I set would be changed. Wow. Turns out it's a little over 18 months mm-hmm. being president. 
Yeah. Didn't quite get to the two years, but that's fine by me. Right. Um, and I promised everyone at the time when people were asking me, like, why don't you do it? Because it was never my intent to be president. Uh-huh. Um, I think vice president was more like it because I was the one doing the bylaws. Right. Um, but when I got asked and the groups that asked me put faith in me to do so, I felt compelled to do it for the good of the order. Yeah. That, to me, was essential, is that I have the trust of the membership. I'm going to follow through. And if I'm here, why don't I do it? Mm-hmm. I have to do what's best for it. And if it's making bylaws or actually putting my face out in front and taking the heat, I'll do it to make it work. And doing dozens of interviews with me that probably at some point... Those are fun. <laughs> those are fun. Most of the interviews, well, some are, but most are fun. Well, you're always fun. Uh, there's other local... Writers, I could say that are good at the bait and switch. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you're not, you're not yeah, even going to interview starting destroy, next year. Yeah, I don't want to destroy. We don't got to do shots fired. But like, no, let's get but back. They're out there. Let's, yeah, let's get back to elections. Like Kobe Bryant. So, so, so the elections are are tonight, right, guys? They're, they're tonight. No, they're no, they're, they're, so, they're happening. So they're tonight rolling. is basically our our last meeting before the elections. So okay. it's going to be a lot of run of show, putting out any potential fires before it actually takes off. We don't need to giant conflagration right uh we've we've built this thing over the years you're not going to blow it up in two days right and and the but elections in general like as a mechanism that was part of the bylaws and this was yes. this was a way to keep this healthy keep it running like well yeah a revolution is not successful unless it can survive succession yeah it just isn't mm-hmm. peaceful it's succession too. peaceful yeah. succession yes uh because ultimately if it's on one person then it wasn't much to begin with yeah it has to be bigger than any of us so this, uh, the elections will be held on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They'll be open to all paid members of the 3252. Yes. Sunday, February 10th. Joe, your legacy on, on this whole thing. And I know you don't think about it that way. You're a humble dude. I, but I've known yeah. you for a while, and I've, I've written, I've interviewed all the groups. And, you know, the one thing that always sticks out is just the magic that people were able to put differences aside, able to unify. And you were so important in thinking of the way that was done. I mean... Do you want to take a second and just reflect on how it's been for you personally to, to be a part of this and to be part of By the way, he's not going anywhere. He's not disappearing forever. But no, no, I'm still going to be heavily involved with the 3252. I'm, right. not, I'm not, you know, like uh, going retiring and running away. It's not a, it's not a career. It's, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. This is what I wanted. Uh, this is the work that I put in. And that stadium and that north stand and the rail seating, very much the rail seating, that was kind of my baby right there. Mm. And... The fact that I get to see it every week reminds me of the work I've done. Just the fact that we have all of these people working together, that we have this community, that's my happiness. And now I get to go to a game every week and share it with the rest of the city. And now for me, with my kids, I get to be dad again <laughs> on game day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah am I going to be in the North End? Yeah, but I'm also going to spend time with my kids. Because um, that's the most sacrifices you do as president, too, is, yeah. is, you know, you walk in the stadium and there's 27 different things that you need to get hashed out that you've been told of at that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that goes away now. And it's more of 27 different songs I need to keep my keep right. my head on right. And I get put my passion in. Beer in one my, hand, child in the other, and let's call <laughs> it a game. He'll, and he'll be hearing, Harry, he, you know, both of them will be carrying their banners. Hey. And, and so for now, it's going to be much more the, the simple supporter Mindset of bringing the passion for me. Hmm. Um, I get to go back to back to my roots with this. Back now. to basics with. Back it. to basics, and it's going to be a lot of fun because, really, you know, I've been a clerical supporter for the past two years because that's what was needed. Mm-hmm. So now somebody else is going to get that shot, and uh, nice thing is we have amazing candidates yeah. this year, and whoever wins, we're in good hands. 
advice for future LAFC supporters listening to this, or maybe people who are part of new clubs around the country, around the world, who want to help create something like what you guys have been able to do. What, what's, what's some imparting wisdom here two years in that you could say that's necessary to, to build something like this? Be vigilant. Uh, be open to new ideas. Do not write people off the first time you meet them. Do not assume someone who's not been into it that long can't be in it and can't be an insane supporter. Don't just assume you have to be in it for 10 plus years to get the job done. Some people just need six months to get it right. right. So you give them their chance because the passion is pure. That comes from the heart. It's nothing that time can put on it. So ultimately, keep an open eye, keep an open heart. And if they're going to root for your team, you got to do it. You got to let them in. Gems. Oh, what a what a freaking proverb what a, right there, dude. Hell yeah. Just want everybody to know Joe Joe came over here right before the right before the meeting and he squoze in this interview and I man, I really appreciate it, honestly. I really oh, appreciate it. Dude, guys, it's a pleasure. You're part of the family. Oh yeah. Well, Samuel, anything? Anything else? Man. <laughs> no, not really. Didn't give Thank didn't give Slim it. enough airtime to Thank you for the leadership, man. It's been it's been a great journey. Thank you, man. Thank you for putting the work in, except in Seattle. But okay, okay, quick joke, quick last thing. Favorite memory of the first season? Favorite memory with or without Sam? <laughs> Both. All right, with with Sam, I gotta say Dortmund was badass. Hey. That's something, yeah, that's something we'll, we'll definitely we have to talk about in the future with, yeah. the, with the German stuff. That'll be really good. Oh, cool. man, traveling everywhere, going crazy. Really, it's the road travel. Because, honestly, I haven't been that dialed into road travel. I was in the past with other stuff. But right. this one was like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. To the point of insanity. You know, freezing my butt off at the Philly draft was pretty crazy. Watching icicles fall off the back of cars. Um, going to KC and try to catch a playoff. Going to opening day, and there's a sleet storm at halftime. And then we just, it clears up and we survive this thing. We got to win after our first attempt. Yeah. It was like, all this work. And you look behind you and there's hundreds of people around you. And you're like, where the hell did they all come from? We had 12 people only like four months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? It's one thing to have our groups, but now we're all unified. And it's a movement. Yeah, there might be the flags with different, different names and logos, but if you just look, it's just a giant mass. We have that now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so bizarre. So really, on my reflection, I'd say, ultimately, we've built a family. We're going to fight to keep that family and make it even stronger. And who knows? Maybe we'll start taking more sections while we do this. Ooh. Ooh. Won't be the north end. It will be the whole stadium. Oh, it'll yeah. be the, instead of the 3252, it'll be the... 22,000. <laughs> the 22,000. Yeah. That's the goal. Independent supporters. All, all right. If you're part of yeah. that, you know the score. Um, Joe, thanks again. I think you guys got to get out of here for this meeting. Uh, you, this brother. was the FCFC pod. Um, this was Joseph Zacker's final interview as the president of the 3252. And so uh, help me God, Joseph, have you given another one after this? I'm <laughs> 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 ruining this bit. <laughs> Joe, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Cheers. 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 FCFC. 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 FCFC.